Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dialed In. This is a broadcast where we focus on sharing real, actionable steps that you can implement immediately to help you live a big life. Our guest today is part of the Big Life series. Now, if this is your first time listening, I'm talking with people who are living life in a big way. When I say big, what I mean is they are dialed in to who they are and they're living life using their strengths and talents to do things that feed their soul while helping others all at the same time. Today's guest is Nancy Landa. Nancy is a mom of three, grandmother of eight. She's an entrepreneur, podcaster, and for 12 and a half years, she was the sole caregiver for her mom who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. That 12 and a half year journey led her to create a podcast for Alzheimer's family caregivers to inspire, support, and encourage them to find joy in the process of caregiving. Because what they are doing, Nancy believes, believes that matters immensely. They have the honor and privilege of helping their loved ones write the final chapter of their life. Wow. Welcome to Dialed In, Nancy. Well, thank you, Bethany, for having me. I really appreciate being here. I tell you what, I have listened to some of your podcast episodes, and I love that you share the stories, and sometimes they can be emotional and heart-wrenching, but at the same time, you find the joy in that journey, and you're able to take the pieces of your journey and then share with others how they can impact those that they're caring for. It's, it's like you've taken the joy from the pain <laughs> in your journey and, and you're able to turn that into making a significant impact on other people. That, that's amazing. Can, can you tell me, how did you get to this point? Because really, this is living big. You're stepping out there. Well, actually, when I was around seven years old, my parents asked me that question, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I mm-hmm. told them I wanted to be a nurse. You know, that's what a lot of seven-year-old girls say back then. Fast forward to my, my high school years, and I was a volunteer candy striper in the hospital, and I loved that. And I worked at a, at a couple of nursing homes, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed talking to these older folks and getting their stories about what it was like in the olden days, you know. In my senior year of high school, I took a class on interior design and absolutely fell in love with it. So I went to my mom one Saturday morning and I said, Mom, what would you say if I told you I didn't want to be a nurse? <laughs> and her response was, oh, Nancy, don't disappoint me now. Oh, no. So off to nursing school I went. It was a three-year <laughs> RN program and I was so excited about decorating my dorm room (laughs) (laughs) that was what I was interested in and so Mm -hmm. I had all you know I had the matching rug for the you know comforter and you know I just had a blast putting all that together Mm -hmm. well I left nursing school um okay I failed in my second year near the end of my second year I failed and that school was closing because as you know most three-year nursing programs are non-existent now we mm-hmm. were the last class to graduate, so there wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I could go do a do-over because that wasn't available. And so I left. And 
you probably think that, oh, she probably went to interior design. But no, I went in the Navy. I wow. joined the Navy and uh, went to boot camp in Orlando, Florida in on June 26th. <laughs> so boot camp was all winter, all summer in that hot weather in Orlando, Florida. <clears throat> and, you know, to make a long story short with that, I met my my husband there, you know, got married, had my kids. And in my 20s and 30s, one of my favorite pastimes was looking at house plan books and just, you know, kind of mentally designing the interiors of those homes and looking for the dream home that I would eventually would have. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that that dream home had to have was a place for my parents. Mm-hmm. If they ever needed to have help, I wanted to have that space for them. So, fast forward to 2005, I have always been in touch with my parents on a, on a weekly basis, but it got to the point where I was talking to my dad more than my mom, and I was talking to my dad almost on a daily basis. And it was uh, Wednesday morning, we were talking, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning, and he doesn't, he was falling asleep on the phone. Mm. And it bothered me that whole rest of that day. And I got up Thursday morning, packed the bag, canceled all my appointments for the week, and headed up to Cape Cod, Massachusetts from Charlotte, where they lived. Mm-hmm. And I stopped about in Pennsylvania, I think, for the night, and I called them, because I told them I was coming. And my mom answered the phone. She goes, oh, I've been out in the yard looking for you. I was oh. Like, mom, it's, it's a two-day drive. And she would know that because my parents traveled all over the United States by car. So I thought, why doesn't she know that? So I thought, hmm, that's odd. So I walked in the next day, and my dad had dropped 40 pounds since the last time I saw him, like, in April. He was incoherent. I was like, oh, gosh, what's going on here? Mm. He revealed that he was not taking his Coumadin. That's a blood thinner. He has an artificial valve in his heart. He has to take that Uh blood thinner, right? So... um, I call his doctor and we get him the love knock shots and get him back. And he's once he's on that for the first day. I mean, he came back mentally. He came back. He was, and I told him, you know, that I was just there to check on them to see how they're doing. And I was concerned. And so I spent a couple of days just kind of observing how they do things during the day. And I noticed that when it was mealtime, mom was out picking up sticks in the yard or vacuuming or doing some other menial tasks and not preparing a meal. And when she did prepare a meal, my dad revealed this to me, it was stuff that he couldn't eat because mm. he didn't have any teeth at, the, at that time. And so she was preparing him things like toast for breakfast and, you know, he couldn't chew it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I contacted my sister who lives like three hours away and, you know, told her what I had found and she came down. We had that talk with our parents. I had it with them initially, you know, before my sister arrived. I said, I think you need help. I think that, you know, maybe assisted living would be a good thing for you. My dad was open to it. My mom was not. She was like, oh, you may as well bury me now, which is kind of funny because when I think about her saying that now, I think, oh, why didn't I just say, well, mom, that's that's illegal. <laughs> Can't do mm-hmm. that. <laughs> But anyway, my sister came down and she had the same talk with them and mom had the exact same response. And Mm -hmm. so, 
you know, it was, it was, we both agreed it was necessary that we needed to find them a place and I needed to get back to Charlotte to pack up everything that I owned, put it in storage and just head up there and, you know, take care of them. And while I was on that trip, my dad had a stroke, ended up in the hospital, which would leave my mom home alone. So my sister had to, you know, kind of take charge and she found a sister living place for them got my mom, you know, in the, we got mom moved in there and then my dad, you know, followed after he finished his rehab. And so the whole time there on the Cape, you know, they had just a two bedroom ranch house that they had an attic, which was completely stuffed full and a basement that was just as full. It took me eight months to get the place cleaned out and put wow. on the market. <clears throat> and so during the time they were in assisted living, you know, I started thinking about, you know, the long-term plan. I hated the idea of them being in a nursing home because I've worked in many of them and not a place I would put my parent if I had the choice. And it was like God reminded me of my 20s and 30s and what I had in my heart to do then. And I was like, I had this little struggle. I was like, Lord, you know, I'm not in a financial position to do that. You know, that was a part of the the dream was to do that for them and be in a financial position to do it well. And I was like, I, I don't have that financial to do that. And he still pressed on and said, you know, just you just know when it's God talking to you. And you say, all mm -hmm. right. So I presented to my parents and my dad liked the idea because he wasn't real happy in his living. Mom felt like she was moving her beloved out of New England, which is her beloved New England, into a different country, which is fun, kind of funny. But, you know, I'm a New Englander through and through. Mm. Uh, so she kind of pushed back a little bit. But my sister really pushed back. And, you know, she said, we had this conversation. She said, well, I never go to South Carolina. I said, well, now you have a reason to. Well, I'll never see them. I said, you don't see them now. <laughs> and with that, I hit a nerve. And mm -hmm. she got up and she said, try and take them. And she walked out. And, you know, I had opposition for my oldest daughter, you know, who kind of said, well, mom, you know, you, you don't have the finance to do that. And you buy a house down in South Carolina and it ends up in foreclosure. And I don't want to see my grand and grandpa on the street. Tough things to hear from the people that you're closest to. Mm -hmm. they're, they're in opposition. And so I wrestled. I wrestled with God. I wrestled with him. I said, you kind of show me this is what you want me to do because I am not going to take the sleep without you showing me. And you know, mm -hmm. every single time I have that conversation with him, he brought me the same verse in First Timothy where it says that we're to take care of our parents and grandparents. Mm. And I was like, okay, that's confirmation. That's enough for me. And so my dad agreed that's what he wanted to do, moved him down here, bought this house that was ideal, and while I was renovating the house, because the house had been vacant for a couple of years, they stayed at a nearby motel. And I'd bring them out here every, you know, um, weekend and show them the progress on the house. And it was a great time of the year to do it, but mom loved flowers. <laughs> and mm. it was springtime and things were blooming mm -hmm. everywhere. And so I thought, well, I was going to sell her on this because she was still, you know, of a mindset that she didn't like being in South Carolina. <laughs> But anyway, we had, you know, a great time. It was an awesome time to take care of my dad, who I'm a, I'm a daddy's girl. And so having him here and talk to, and he was sharp mentally. Physically, he had some challenges, but mentally he was really sharp. So we had some great conversations sitting on the front porch, 
And he always backed me up with what I was trying to do with my mom, like, you know, time to take a shower, and that was always a battle. And he would back me up, and I kind of think that she felt like we were ganging up on her, which was never my intent. I just wanted her to take a shower on it. But uh, he passed away in October of 2010. So um, things really took a sharp turn then. And she... My dad was her anchor, so mm-hmm. being you know the anchor was gone. She didn't know where she belonged, and she just didn't feel like she belonged here. And she started packing. Oh boy! And you know a, a typical day because <laughs> there are so many like this. But let's say it's Wednesday, and I'm in my office upstairs. So I had to have it upstairs. I couldn't hear with her TV so loud downstairs. So I had to move it upstairs. And so it was noontime and it's time for lunch. So I'm coming down the stairs and I'm thinking about what to make for lunch. I'm thinking, oh, you know, grilled cheese sounds good for a day like today. And oh gosh, I got so much stuff to do after lunch is over. And I get down to the bottom stairs, I turn the corner and I see it. My hallway is filled with furniture from the family room. Oh no! It, the stack is going into the living room, almost to the front door. Oh my goodness! Well, Mom's been busy this morning. <laughs> Grilled cheese is gonna have to wait. And so I'm looking over this pile of stuff, and I'm, I can see she's out on the front porch. I'm thinking, okay, I've got just enough time, hopefully, to get all this stuff back where it goes before she comes in the door. I don't want to get caught because she doesn't like anybody touching her things. Right. So I'm going through the stuff, and I see it. That's mine. Wait a minute. That's mine. She's packing up my stuff, too. And I feel the heat rising in my cheeks, and I'm frustrated and, and just a little bit angry. And I'm like, gosh, this is not the first time this week. This is the third time this week. And it's only Wednesday. Mm. Mm. And so these are the frustrations that a family caregiver goes through every day. And it's not the person's fault. My mom was 90 when she was doing this. Mm-hmm. Strong as an ox, right? But she thinks her father is coming to pick her up. And she mm, even told right. me that, you know, she talked to her father on the phone. The yeah. hilarious part of that is mom didn't have a phone. So, you know, you're, you're dealing with all those things and you cannot fight them on it. You can't correct them. Correcting right. is futile. Right. I know right. I tried it for years. <laughs> Yeah, right, because it's their reality. Like, the, it that's is. really what they, right, yeah. So you got to start playing Let's Pretend uh-huh. and play along with them. And it, yes. that's that was one of the hardest things for me to do because I felt like I right. was lying to her. Right, but absolutely. <clears throat> that is the reality, and, and she was hard of hearing, so conversations with her were very difficult. Uh-huh. But, you know, having experiences like that, you learn more about yourself than you could in any other circumstance because all those things you felt as a kid that you think you've resolved in the past hmm. suddenly become your reality. They come back and they, I thought I just settled that, you know, sibling rivalry mm-hmm. or mom likes my sister more than she likes me. But right. when you're sitting around the table and your sister is coming for her annual visit and, and, 
you're just finished a meal and mom says I miss my family and my sister goes well we're your family and she goes looks at my sister and says well I know you are I'm sitting on the other side of my sister and I say well I am too and she looks at me and she goes I don't know how you get that Aww. and you're saving yeah. because Karen's your favorite and always has been but it, it, it is what it is and you got to deal with those issues all over again and you have now had to do it as an adult Right. So it, it makes it a little bit, a little bit hard. And yeah. when my mom did pass away, she passed away very peacefully overnight. You know, I went in to check on her one morning, and she was she was gone. Aww. But she had a very peaceful look on her face, and and you know, she was under hospice care for the last months of her life, and so we knew it was coming. We just didn't know when. But she had just come back for being in respite in a nursing home. And <clears throat> um, the week before, and um, she came home on Thursday from respite. It was nice having that five-day break, but you don't know mm-hmm. what to do with yourself because, you know, it's January, so it's not like I'll take a walk outside and I don't think so. Right. But um, she started, she had a cough. And on Saturday night, as I was getting her ready for bed, she coughed right in my face. My mother always taught me to cover your mouth when you cough. Mm-hmm. They don't do that anymore. When, with Alzheimer's, they forget to cover their mouth. And right. she coughed right in my face. I mean, right. And on Monday morning, I woke up with the flu. Mm. So the last thing my mom gave me was the flu. <laughs> Wednesday morning is when she passed away. Oh, wow. But you know, it was an honor and a privilege to help her write that last chapter of her life mm-hmm. and that is perspectives I have more so now than I did when I was in the midst of it because I was in it mm-hmm. by myself my daughter lived a mile away and she pretty much wrote me out of her life I still to this day don't know how, why but I was in this by myself and mm-hmm. so that's where the idea came to start my podcast now Alzheimer's caregiver radio and I did that this year because I'm on a mission Bethany to help as many caregivers of you know people with Alzheimer's the family caregivers as I can and so now I love I'm an interactive and virtual community specifically mm-hmm. for those family caregivers you know the regularly scheduled live event where they can come and receive encouragement support and share their ideas live you know mm-hmm. with their voice um, with the whole community in a very safe environment you know, it's kind of funny how the moments that drove you crazy or made you frustrated and angry at the time they occurred become the treasured memories after your caregiver journey oh. has ended. Right. Absolutely. And there's nothing easy about the caregiving journey. And I'm going to speak to that just, just for a second. But from the other side of this, um, I've, I've had some caregiving of loved ones. My, my grandpa had... Um, a diagnosis of Alzheimer's but I wasn't there consistently but I have worked in the senior living industry uh, for well over a decade and I'm also a nurse and so I would help families you know I'd be the, one of the people that you would talk to if you were moving your family into a senior living community and even into an, an Alzheimer's um, area you know a, a place where they would be safe and have different levels of care and and I watched, um, 
I've watched families disintegrate and I've watched the stress of caregiving take a physical and emotional toll on the people that were doing it. And I think what you bring to the table with your real life experience is so needed because you've been there. You, and it's, I think it's much easier for people to learn from someone that have just walked in those shoes than it is from a quote professional that maybe will hand them a book, you know, or, or they don't have time to read a book. Like they're in the middle of a huge life change and they're trying to determine what to do with their loved one and they have all the guilt and all the other stuff that comes along with it. And I, I, uh, I know this is, this is just going to keep growing and it'll be huge. And it's unfortunate because it, that means that we still have a huge problem with Alzheimer's and dementia and not a cure for it. But at the same time, you get to help have an impact on people and make their journey better right. because of what you're sharing. Yeah. Well, if it's okay, I'd like to share three tips with your, with your audience that if they know somebody that either has Alzheimer's or more importantly, if they know a family caregiver that is taking care of a loved one with Alzheimer's, yeah, they may be asking themselves, what can I do? And so mm -hmm. I would say, call that caregiver. Just call them and say, you know, I was just thinking about you and I just want to see how you were doing. Call them. It would mm -hmm. mean the world to them. I promise you. Mm -hmm. You can visit them. If you're local to where they are, take a, a few minutes and just stop by and, and say, I just want to see how you were doing. The third thing they can do is they can offer to give them a break. Hey, why don't you go out to the store? Let me sit with your mom. Mm -hmm. Those three things are what an entire community can do for someone who is a family caregiver. That would mean the world to them and help them be a family caregiver, a better one. Because mm -hmm. if you don't get, isolation is a huge problem with family caregivers. It was for me. Yes, there are support groups out there that, you know, the Alzheimer's Association is wonderful and they have a lot of support groups in the local community. I never went to one for two reasons. They were in the evening and taking somebody with Alzheimer's out in the evening was more than mm -hmm. I wanted to handle. Right. And so I, my hat's off to the Alzheimer's Association. They're doing a great job. I want to provide something similar, but in a virtual community so that you don't I have it. to leave your home. Yeah, I love it. I, and I think that's such a perfect solution because it is hard. You, you take someone that has Alzheimer's or any kind of dementia out of their environment and they're immediately can be overstimulated. They can get fearful. Agitated. I mean, right, all of those things. And so that's a scary, um, that's a scary thought for someone that's a caregiver because then not only, you know, you have to worry about yourself and getting there, but then you have to worry about all the different things that could go wrong. So I love that you're creating a virtual space for people and you just totally did my job for me here. See, at the end, I usually wrap up with some teaching points, but you, Nancy, you just did that for me. So I don't even have to do that today. Um, okay. So. Um, anything else you want to share? Anything else on your heart that you want to be sure the listeners hear before we close today? Well, I mean, they can check out my podcast, Alzheimer's Caregiver Radio. Um, and the website is alzheimerscaregiverradio.com. Um, I have my blog is on, on that site as well. 
Um, but you have to put in alzheimerscaregiverradio.com slash blog to access the blog. Okay, great. But if they if they want to get the message out that there's help out there for family caregivers that beyond the Facebook groups and, and the local groups, you know, that is what I'm, my heart is yearning to build that because I, I feel mm-hmm. like it's really needed. Yeah, I think it is too. I know it is. I've seen the need year after year after year. I love that you're filling this gap. So I'll make sure to post your information in the podcast description too, just in case you're taking notes or you're driving and you can't take notes and you want to uh, be connected with Nancy. Uh, Thank you so much for being here today, Nancy. I, I so appreciate the insight and the courage that you're having to step out and do this because you have to be really vulnerable and you have to be okay with talking about things that maybe um, you handled really well, but other things that maybe you didn't handle so well and using that as a teaching for other people. And I, I love that you're bringing your heart to the table with this process. Oh, yeah. I highly, <laughs> of course, of course, I, I highly encourage listeners. If you know someone that has a family member that is living with Alzheimer's or any kind of dementia or any kind of memory impairment, get connected to Nancy, alzheimerscaregiverradio.com. Thank you everyone for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe to Dialed In so you never miss an episode. And until next time, take action, live big, and stay Dialed In. Dialed In.